Let us begin our hour together in prayer. Let's bow. Lord, as we come this Sunday school hour, we pray that you might bless and encourage by your word. We pray that you would bless so that the time together would be to profit for thinking on valuable things. We pray that you would bless with much that is going on in the weeks ahead. Lord, you can prepare us and even work in our schedules and free those or bring interruptions to those. You are sovereign in all of those details. We entrust ourselves to your care. We pray that as we gather now, that you would direct our attention to your word. We pray that as we gather in the days ahead, that you would bless in attending our minds with zeal and joy to your word. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that the Fellowship of Churches had to gather together. Thank you for the encouragement that Pastor McLaughlin, Dr. McLaughlin was, and Andy Stearns, and others. Think of Daryl Fryer, especially. Lord, might you bless them as they look to a Lord's Day this day. Might you refresh them in your word even after a busy schedule of ministry and laboring in it the past several days. I pray that you would bless in our sister churches, not just those that are part of our association, but even others of like faith, that they would delight in lifting up the truth and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and thus glorifying you, our God and the great giver of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Uh, so we have been looking to the theme of uh, millennialism, and we're going to step away from that this day, and we're going to uh, do something prefatory to our meetings next, uh, uh, this next Sunday and following and Saturday. Um, if you want to have a flyer for yourselves, while there are flyers left, you may take them. They're going to be of no great benefit just sitting there uh, in, in days ahead. So uh, as uh, Jason Parker comes, and Lord willing, we have opportunity to not only uh, hear from him, but uh, rejoice in fellowship with him. Uh, he's speaking on the theme of uh, Christian conservatism. And what I wanted to do was to uh, give us a little bit of a uh, a little bit of an overview of some of the ways in which I think about Christian conservatism. Now, obviously, every um, one uh, coming to make definitions. Uh, when you're defining such a, a vast topic, 
when you're defining a topic that goes so widely, uh, then you can define it in uh, numerous helpful and different ways. And so I'm not expecting uh, that Jason will define it uh, down to the jot and tittle exactly in the ways that I am going to delineate here. Um, But I want to help us to begin to think about uh, why uh, Christian conservatism is uh, so valuable. And in order to do that, uh, we have to know what we're talking about. And so that's uh, what I want to try to begin to do uh, this day. And I, I titled this uh, Conservative Christianity, a Christianity that values conservating, conserving. And then I uh, put the big header, reintroducing an idea, because uh, we have had a Sunday School series where we talked about conservative Christianity and different aspects of it. And usually we would do uh, one subject or two and then uh, look to other uh, helpful subjects uh, in our Sunday school hour and then come back uh, and do that repeatedly. But uh, I think whether you recognize it or not, we, we have been introduced to the idea of uh, conservative Christianity, uh, Christian conservatism. And I purposefully... Uh, I purposefully uh, inverted the language there on your handout as compared to the flyer. So on the flyer, trotting on old paths, fostering Christian conservatism, whereas on your Sunday school ham- handout, uh, conservative Christianity. Now, both of those uh, orders of wording um, bring to mind probably uh, various different things. What I'd like us to think about right at the outset is that we're not talking about conservatism uh, generally. We're not talking about conservatism across the board. Uh, That is to say, there are lots of different kinds of conservatism that we're not talking about. Uh, So if you are interested, I played on Friday night. Friday night, I played a board game. It was called Wingspan. And it was a game all about birds. And it had a whole deck of cards. And all of the deck of cards was different birds with, uh, is it James Audubon? Did I get the right name? Uh, I I know it's Audubon, but I don't know the first name. So James Audubon, uh, his original drawings, all colorized. Uh, So the the imagery of all these cards was uh, beautiful. And you could imagine that... uh, those who are interested in nature, and especially those who are interested in birds, are interested in all kinds of conservatories, right? Places for conserving bird habitats, okay? Uh, there are many things in this world worth conserving. We're not talking about all of them. Um, we're not talking about political conservatism, uh, which you might think of uh, right away when you think of conservatism. Um, rather, We're talking about conserving a a good and beautiful and true Christianity. Um, And so by uh, speaking of conservative Christianity uh, and and inverting the language there, uh, I'm trying to help us think that this is a conservatism that looks to Christianity, a conservatism which is growing out of Christianity and Although I would argue that 
uh, all Christians are necessarily conservative, whether they recognize it or not, or whether they promote it or not. Um, all true Christians are necessarily conservative. Uh, some true Christians definitely do not care about conservatism. They definitely do not have an uh, interest in promoting conservatism. And that has much to do with the spirit of our age. But in order to understand uh, the question of what is conservative Christianity, we have to ask the question then, what is Christianity? What is Christianity? And the, the thing that I would like to note for us at the outset here is that when you ask the question, what is Christianity? That is a backward looking question. Where are you going to go to find out what is Christianity? You're going to go to the Bible. When was that written? Yeah, uh, numerous hundreds of years ago, even thousands, right? Uh, Some of it, multiples of thousands, okay? Uh, What is Christianity is necessarily a backward-looking question. How else might you answer that question, what is Christianity? If you didn't go to the Bible, where might you come up with an answer for what is Christianity? merely by what people do today. So you look at people who call themselves Christians, Mm -hmm. you use the name Christians, and you look at what they commonly do, and you call that Christianity. Yes, yes. So we we sometimes refer to that kind of thing as um, uh, 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 generic Christianity, um, uh, uh, Christianity, um, Christendom, we use that language instead of uh, the language of Christianity. Um, but sometimes when we use the language of Christianity, we're thinking about uh, Christen, Christendom. Um, and so you could look at other people around who have the name Christian. And then what are you doing if you're doing that? You're thinking about your history of experience with other You can't look forward to other people who are Christians and call themselves Christians, you have to look backward. You have to go back into your history, your personal history, right? You're just looking at a very narrow snapshot if you do if you do that. Um, probably not the most helpful way, I would argue. But uh, how else might you define Christianity or come to an understanding of the language of Christianity? What that means. Behavior, okay. Okay, so uh, maybe you, uh, this is very much along the lines of what Brent just said, but maybe you, uh, maybe you're in a Christian church and you look around you and you see Christians and then you think of what they're doing in terms of Christianity uh, or you're familiar with other churches and so you think of what they're doing. So just an expansion of what, what Brent, uh, what Mr. Marshall had mentioned. Yeah, you you were going to mention something. Sometimes you will see what I term little C Christianity, 
used to contrast with major religions that are classified other. So it's used in contrast to, say, Muslim, Hindu, Judaism. And they're not talking necessarily at all about the Christ of the Bible. They're contrasting major religious systems. Yes, yes. And if you do that, then you might go to a history of religions textbook or listen to a history of religions professor. And what they're going to tell you is they're going to tell you what they know about the various religions based on what they've seen in the past. Necessarily a backward looking question. Oh, what if instead of defining uh, Christianity according to the Bible, you looked especially to history? What might we use in history to think about what is an answer to what is Christianity? There's a whole study on this particular topic. People who were martyred for believing a certain way. Okay. Christians of times gone by. Pastors and churches of times gone by. Christian leaders of times gone by. And we call that whole realm of investigation church history. Church history. So you might look to church history to think about what is Christianity. Another way that you might look back and think about what is Christianity. Um, We are Christians because we are followers of Jesus Christ. If you're going to understand who Jesus Christ is, you and I recognize that we have to go to the Bible to find authoritative definition of who Christ is. But uh, just thinking about Jesus Christ and defining uh, Christianity in regards to the, the, uh, the, uh, the local church and the universal church, which we'll get to in the morning service, uh, defining those things in terms of uh, Christ, who is the head of the church, and Christians being those who are part of uh, Christ's body, um, you have to look back to who Christ is. Okay, so uh, looking back to who Christ is, uh, what years would you have to go to, Luke? You like that I put you on the spot? Close. You're, you're in the right, right realms. Yeah. So uh, maybe 32 AD or 30 or 31 or 33, right in there, Jesus died. Um, but that, that uh, points to the fact that we are followers of a historical person. We are not followers of an imaginary person. We are not followers of a, of a savior without a history. Okay. And, and since we are followers of a savior who is a historical personage, uh, to, to ask the question, what is Christianity? And, and to think about Christianity in terms of Christ, you have to look in the Bible and backwards. You have to look back. You, you can't, you can't look forward, uh, except in the Bible, Uh, but uh, other things we could say there. But uh, it's a backward-looking question, whether you're looking at Christ to think about what Christianity is, or scripture, or church history, or 
um, or uh, your own experience, it's a backward-looking question. It's a question that looks back. Now, I think we could uh, helpfully uh, continue to narrow down what we mean by Christianity. And if we're going to define uh, what we think Christianity ought to be defined as, right? if we're going to give a prescriptive uh, definition of Christianity and not just a descriptive uh, what what do we see when we think about Christianity? If we're going to give a prescriptive uh, answer to what is Christianity, uh, then we have to begin to do some of what um, uh, Dr. Bowder uh, will speak about as the idea of the fundamentals. The idea of the fundamentals. So, how is it that someone becomes a Christian? Answer the gospel. The gospel. Okay. If the gospel is the way that someone becomes a Christian, how do you define what is integral and what is necessary to understanding the gospel? Or what is necessary to believe, to have a true uh, profession of the gospel, right? We as Christians can't look at other people's hearts, but we can look at their profession of, of faith. We can look at their profession of the gospel And we can interrogate their definition of what is important to the gospel, what is necessary to the gospel. Okay, Um, Where are we going to go to do that? We're obviously going to go to the scriptures. As we go to the scriptures, uh, do you go to Genesis um, 50 and uh, and, uh, Joseph's death? Uh, Do you go there? to try to figure out what is Christianity? No. Well, the Bible is... I'll play devil's advocate a little bit. The Bible is like the authoritative book in Christianity. And and Genesis 50 is God's word inspired. Uh, why, why wouldn't we go to all the places in the Bible to define... What, what Christianity is, if the Bible is, is our authoritative textbook. There is a sense in which we do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because all of the scripture is going to contribute to our... Christianity fundamentally ties back to Jesus Christ, who is God. And everything in scripture, in some way, mm-hmm. ties back to teaching us about God. So there is a sense in which we do go back. Mm-hmm. those, I mean, that's a record of God's dealing with those people. I think what you're looking for is the fact that we're going to focus in defining Christianity on the New Testament and specifically on the passages that tell us about Jesus Christ and his person and his work, Mm -hmm. the gospel, and so forth. So Mm -hmm. there's an area of focus. um, But we recognize that Revelation was progressive. Mm-hmm. There were things that were not clear in the mm-hmm. Old Testament that was made explicitly clear in the New Testament. Yes. Yes. Um, to lead us along, uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll uh, go in leading questions here. Would Would you ever use, um, say, Ecclesiastes three ten as your introduction to? I'm just pulling out a random text. Uh, would you would you ever use that probably as your introduction to sharing the gospel? Or 
Um, would would you begin by going to places that uh, don't uh, obviously speak in clear ways about the gospel? Right. Even even in Brent's language, it's looking to the New Testament and it's looking to Christ that we uh, think about the gospel. Right. So uh, when when we look to the word of God as the authority foundation for our faith and Christianity, uh, we further recognize that though Ecclesiastes 3.10 is important and though Genesis 50 is important and all and every part of scripture is important, it is not all equally important for defining the gospel. Okay, If you're going to uh, set the boundaries of the gospel, then you have to go to passages which speak to the gospel and passages which are uh, integral to building up the gospel. Uh, that is to say, you, you have to do what uh, Dr. Bowder calls believe in the idea of the fundamentals. Okay, um, Whether we use the term fundamentalism or not, that's a totally different uh, discussion. But we have to recognize that where you have a, a belief in the, the sinfulness of man, and the fact that the sinfulness of man, because of the holiness of God and who God is, will bring about the judgment, eternal judgment of sin in personal eternal judgment on those sinners, then if we're going to have salvation from that sin, we have to look to Jesus Christ, who is the only perfect man, the only perfect God-man, and he uh, became our savior, not because he was just a perfect God man, but because he died and he died in our place so that his, uh, his life and death and resurrection would be in our place, in our stead, that we would be able to look forward to the resurrection which he has uh, gone through ahead of us, the first fruits. Uh, the, the, some of the things that I've just mentioned are the things that help us in defining the boundary of the gospel. You, you can't be a Christian and also say that Jesus is not the only true God-man. You, you can't be a Christian and also say that people, uh, humankind, we are, are not sinners. You, you can't be a Christian and also say that the Bible isn't authoritative. Okay. It, it, to the degree that you would go down those paths, the only way that you could uh, possibly be a true Christian is if you were faulty in your statements about those things and confused in your mind about those things. Okay. Uh, so the idea of fundamental, the, the idea of the fundamentals is all of the scripture is important, but some of it is more important for defining the. Uh, what is core to to uh, making clear the gospel? Um, you you can't uh, you you can't um, decide that uh, Jesus coming again uh, isn't going to happen and uh, and be consistent in your affirmation of your Christianity. Okay, 
it, it's so clear and obvious that Jesus, as the God-man, would have to speak truth, and he himself said that he was coming again. Thus, uh, even big picture pieces of eschatology are part of the fundamentals of the faith. Some nice summaries of those are the, the, the creeds. Uh, but uh, if you're going to think about any of those things, you have to look back, right? Even, even to think about the, the idea of fundamentals as being integral and, and, and uh, necessary to rightly uh, understanding the gospel and guarding who is a Christian and who isn't, uh, you have to look back to Christian uh, theology and history, back to the scriptures, Okay. What about the language of conserving? What does it mean to conserve Christianity? And here I would note that if we're going to pass on Christianity to the next generation, this is a forward-looking question. This is a forward-looking question. If if we're going to conserve Christianity, it not only looks back to what are we going to conserve, what have we been given and passed along to us, it also, as conservative Christians, we're thinking about what are we going to pass to the next generation? What are we going to, uh, uh, to, to what, what is the faith that is in store that they will receive from us? Okay. Um, what does it mean to conserve? Well, to conserve is to try to guard something so that you might pass it along. Um, you, you might seek to conserve a beautiful piece of furniture that your great-grandmother gave to uh, your grandmother and your grandmother gave to your mother and your mother gave to you, right? You're conserving what are you doing if you're if you're conserving a piece of furniture? You're seeking to pass it along. You're se- seeking to keep it in good condition so that it will be helpful and valuable for someone else. Okay, um, conservatism, and particularly Christian conservatism, uh, conservative Christianity looks both back and forward. We're not conserving a relic. Uh, we are not believers uh, like uh, Tetzel, whom Luther opposed. Uh, pay some money to the church and you can, uh, you can see a piece of Jesus' robe and uh, buy some insurance for your soul, right? Uh, we're not seeking to conserve something that's merely physical, Okay? We're not passing along to the next generation merely something physical, but rather we're passing along to the next generation ideas and truths and that which has been passed along to us in uh, Christianity. Um, if we're going to conserve something, uh, think about this in parallel to things that you know of uh, conservation. If you're going to conserve a habitat for birds, which we, we started out talking about uh, conserving for birds, okay? And that's not the point of our church. That's not the point of anything here other than we're trying to think about conserving, 
Okay? If you're going to preserve the habitat for a, a, a population of birds, some particular species, maybe you want to uh, save some particular uh, variety of bird, um, what are you going to try to do with that habitat? Keep cats away. Yes. So predators, you don't want predators. You probably don't even want human predators, i.e. bulldozers, construction, uh, all kinds of things, right? You're you're trying to guard something. There's a guarding aspect. What else are you trying to do if you're trying to conserve a bird habitat? Taking Taking care of it, which I think implies... Not just keeping it like it is, but even, Lord, uh, hopefully, improving it, right? If you want, if you want some endangered bird species to, uh, to be preserved and conserved, uh, you're going to take its habitat and you're going to try to make it the ideal habitat for that bird species to be able to thrive. So conservation. Uh, doesn't just look forward to passing along to the next generation that which we received, as in some physical object. Like uh, you might receive your your the the furniture from your grandmother and try to pass it along to to your your uh, granddaughter in the exact condition that you received it from your grandmother. Okay, rather Christianity, when it's conserving and guarding, it is at the same time seeking to. Uh, trotting all paths, fostering Christian conservatism. Okay, it's it's seeking to grow and improve. Right, we we don't want to pass on to our children something that's less than that which is good which we've received. We don't want to pass on to our children the bad things that we have received, right? So conservative Christianity in that it conserves seeks to leave behind that which is better than what we received. Moreover, since we're not talking about physical objects when we're talking about conserving conserving Christianity, We're talking about ideas. We're talking about cultures. We're talking about institutions, the church. If you're you're going to conserve uh, ideas and cultures and churches, then there might, since we've had 2,000 years of church history, and since these last five years have been especially horrific in Western society, There might be things that have been lost from that which was originally passed on by the first apostles. Does the Bible give any indication that there might be things that have been lost? Are there any books of the Bible that talk about Christians really messing up badly? Yeah. Yeah. And so you get to the second century and already in the second century, you have Christians, right? And they're baptizing their babies. 
Now, something went awry there in, in a good and true understanding of, of Christianity, right? The, the Bible is clear that we should baptize those who are believers, uh, and there's something voluntary about that uh, which is spoken to in the scriptures. And so uh, recovering what is lost uh, would be a part of conserving Christianity. So in, in at least three ways, uh, when you think about conserving Christianity, you're not just thinking about passing along Christianity to the next generation, a forward-looking question. You're not just thinking about improving uh, what you've received, but you're also thinking about recovering that which might have been lost. Uh, third question. And here, uh, time is fleeting. I wanted to ask, the, uh, especially those who are 60 and older, um, maybe we could even do 70 and older and be safe, but uh, uh, what, <laughs> what, what is it that we've lost? What are some things that we've lost? And I think that even when you look in a very short period of time, i.e. the time period of some of those who are older, we could come up with things that we've, even in our lifetime, lost. Okay? Um, for time's sake, I'm not going to delineate lots. Um, did any of you go to school and have uh, catechisms through the school? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Time in oh, say that? Release time, okay, release time. And so you would go to school, and then what would happen in that? They went to a church. You actually went to a church. So uh, can you think of any public school? It was a public school? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you think of any public schools sending the school kids as a class? Okay, now we're, we're not talking about uh, uh, church Christianity. We're not talking about official Christianity. But uh, th- these are some of the things that have been lost just in our generation, right? Um, or in uh, recent generations. Uh, can you think of a public school sending a class to a church or, or who, whoever wanted to go? Okay, yeah. But uh, even if you look around our culture, you can, you can see things that uh, um, remnants of Christianity that we've lost, right? Um, if you look inside the churches, um, how many of us think, and I'll just uh, put this forward as a rhetorical question, how many of us think that we, if we were extracted from 2022 and we were taken back to 1750 and we were dropped into a church, 1750, that we would just be comfortable? That, that we would be familiar with what's happening? Right, I I think, and and the point I'm trying to make is that I hope that it's uh, obvious that there have been things that have been lost. There have been things that that have been lost. Um, what bad things have we been given? Would be another question that we might ask. Okay, if we're if we're going to conserve. Christianity and pass along to our children that which is better than what we've received? Any things that we've received that aren't really so great? 
right? Right? Um, n- now, now we're receiving um, probably even churches that uh, presumably wouldn't say such, uh, like work on Sunday, feel free to go and do whatever you want on Sunday. Um, but by implication, the, the requirements that they have on the Lord's Day, uh, the, the things that they have set up to regularly be doing, um, like let's let's not have more than one service, and let's keep it really short, so you can get out easily. And if you need to go to work in the afternoon, you can make it to work, right? Um, what are other things that we might think of as? I won't take lots of time because time is fleeting. But um, things that are not good that have been passed along to us, Ben. Okay. So some of the music tradition that we've received is not uh, helpful for conserving uh, uh, right affections, right affections and, and, and reverence toward God. We have a low view of the majesty of God and a pretty windy view of the seriousness of sin, mm-hmm. in contrast. Yeah. Sometimes God is talked about as if he's some grandpa right. who just doles out candy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sin is, well, my sin's not bad. Yours is bad, but my sin, you know. Right. We excuse sin. It's merely a mistake. Or Yeah, yeah. Um, we need to keep going because time is fleeting. But uh, what good things have we been given? I, I think that, uh, at least in the traditions that I've been in, um, there has been an emphasis on the priority of truth. And this is in, in striking contrast to the world around us. The world around us says, you can have your truth, I'll have my truth, and whatever you want your truth to be, that's all okay. okay? The scriptures are clear. Truth isn't negotiable. Truth isn't massageable. Truth isn't true for one person and not true for another person. And, and I'm thankful that uh, there's been an emphasis on the uh, the foundation and the unchangeableness of truth. Uh, you, you, you can't change truth. Truth is eternal, being based in God who is true and Jesus who is true. I'm the way, the truth and the life, right? Um, so I'm, I'm glad uh, for that part of my, my, my heritage, uh, hopefully our heritage. Um, it's being it's being attacked by the world around us, but at least in Christian churches that I'm a part of and that I've been in, uh, one man and one woman being married for life is what the Bible teaches. And so should we be ashamed of that? Should we hide our heads and say, oh, let's not talk about this? Right? I'm I'm thankful that when God said let uh, let us create man in in our image let, male and female He created them, and then He marries Adam and Eve, and Jesus Himself provides clear definition on what it is to be married. Um, I'm, I'm thankful that for that good part of our 
or tradition. What will conservative Christianity value? So we're uh, looking forward to this conference that we have in, coming up uh, beginning on Saturday, trotting on old paths, fostering Christian conservatism. And uh, what is it that we uh, would value? I, I just listed eight um, eight things that a conservative Christianity uh, could uh, rightly value. Um, I'm just going to make mention of them, and uh, we can pick this up. Uh, we can pick this up. Uh, what I think I'll do is uh, Jason Parker is with us from, from Colorado uh, this coming week uh, with the conference. Uh, but then the week after, why don't we pick up this uh, same theme um, Oh, the Smith, yeah. <laughs> Never mind. What I mean is, the next available week, <laughs> um, so, so I, I think that's the week after the 16th, um, uh, let's pick up the same, the, the same theme and uh, think about what will conservative Christianity value. I'll just make mention of eight things. Uh, permanent transcendent realities would be one thing. Distrust of our appetites and our desires. We're fallen sinners, and so our appetites and our desires are warped and twisted. Uh, resting in God's sovereignty as we faithfully labor. Resting in God's sovereignty. Uh, we aren't going to solve all of the problems of current Christianity. But we have a God who will work it all out. Prioritizing history. We're, we're looking back to who Christ is. We're looking back to what the scriptures say. Uh, cultivation of piety and affections. Are we at number uh, five there? Cultivation of uh, piety and affections. Uh, number six, uh, leadership of men. Leadership of men, men leading in the home, men leading in the church, men um, uh, uh, lifting up the truth. Uh, seventh, the importance of meaning or the primacy of truth. What, what matters isn't what you think and what I think. What matters is what is true. And God has given us a place where he's revealed what is true. Our, our Bibles. Lastly, uh, the idea of fundamentals, not like I said earlier, uh, not that we need to maintain the, the name of fundamentalists, um, but at least the idea of fundamentalism, that all of Scripture is important because it's the Word of God. Some of Scripture is more important because it's foundational to becoming a Christian. Um, so those eight things, I think, uh, conservative Christianity uh, would value. You could parse out different uh, ways of describing those things and other uh, valuable things. But for time's sake, we'll pick up that conversation in a future uh, Sunday school. So let us uh, close in prayer. Let's bow. Lord, it is good to be gathered together. Thank you, Lord, for passing on to us Christianity, uh, the church, and an understanding of who Christ is 
as taught on the basis of your word. I pray that we would be faithful in passing that uh, those things that are good in what we've been given, passing those along to our children and those after them if your son doesn't return. We pray that our, your son, our Savior, would return soon. Until then, might we be found faithful. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.